The Word of God comes to us this morning in Revelation chapter 5, verses 1 through 14. That's Revelation chapter 5, verses 1 through 14. Then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll written within and on the back, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. And one of the elders said to me, Weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns and with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Then I looked, and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our Lord stands forever. Good morning, everyone. Uh, thank you. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Hihu. I'm one of the pastoral interns at this church. Uh, I'm pretty nervous, but I'm, I'm really excited to share God's word for the first time with our church people. A little bit about myself is that I, I grew up in China. Uh, my family, we moved to China when I was two. And when I was 15, my dad, he got arrested. He was helping the missionaries and he got arrested. And he was given 24 hours to pack up everything and leave the country, or else he was going to jail. And of course, my dad didn't want to go to jail, so, he packed, so we packed everything, and then we, uh, we went back to Korea. And, and that's when my dad told me that we're going to go to America, and that's where we're going to start, start fresh. Uh, when he told me that, I know what that meant. That meant I had to leave all my friends and families behind, and I probably won't see them for a very long time. And that meant I have to start, learn, start to learn English, because before that, I didn't speak any English. And that also meant a lot of packings and a lot of paperwork. And, and we had three months to prepare everything. I, I just remember by the end of the three, uh, three months period, I was super nervous, and my tiny body was about to explode, because I was just so anxious and nervous and stressed. Uh, and I still remember the day we landed at the Dallas airport. Um, 
my dad when we're going through the interview. The interviewer would ask him questions, but my dad, is, didn't, he didn't speak English back then, so he would just smile back at him, and he got pulled aside. So my dad, yeah, so my dad was gone. And, I'll, and when I realized that, I was like, hey, mom, that's gone. She was like, wait, what? So we, we didn't know where uh, our dad went, so my mom told me to go look for our bags. So I, I came out, and I was looking for my bags, but, my, but our bags were gone too. Apparently, my grandma packed a bunch of things she was not supposed to. And you know how that be with our Korean grandmas. Uh, so my dad's gone, my, 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 my bags are gone, and people are speaking gibberish. So, uh, so I just sat down, I was like, there's no, I don't know what to do. I was so, so anxious, I was so nervous. So I just put on my laptop, I was like, I'm just going to escape from this reality. I'm going to play some StarCraft. So I connected my computer to the Wi-Fi, and that's when I got a notification. I got an email from my cousin, my cousin who grew up in America, who speaks perfect English. And, and in the email, he said, hey, hey um, don't worry, I'm coming. I know things are hectic. I know things are chaotic. But I'm coming, and when I'm there, I'll take care of everything else. So don't worry. I'll, I'll bring you guys home. So when I saw that email, all of a sudden, all my worries and anxieties and, and nervousness, they all disappeared. And my heart started to calm down. Even though I still don't speak English, my bags are still gone, and my dad's still gone, I felt a little better. I felt a little better knowing that my cousin's coming to fix all the problems. Uh, and, and I thought about it. It's just like the email that I received, the book of Revelation served as a comforting reminder for first century oppressed and persecuted Christians. As much as I was uplifted and encouraged and relieved from the amount of stress, the initial recipients of this letter, they were also even greatly uplifted, encouraged, and comforted, and relieved from the amount of stress and fear that was from persecutions and their hardships. And just like the email that, that lifted the curtain and showed me what was really going on behind scene, that my cousin was coming, and so all I had to do is to relax and rest. Like so, the author, John, the, the Apostle John is the one who wrote the book of Revelation. John, he's pulling the curtain so we can know what is really going on behind the scene. He's pulling the curtain that stands between our perceived reality and the true reality, the heavenly reality, the, the, the real deal. So, so that's what the book of Revelation is about, to remind God's people that the kingdom, God's kingdom is now here. And there's nothing that can stop this momentum. Like the history is now just heading towards the completion of God's kingdom. And the king has already begun to rule his kingdom. And since his kingdom is now here, and that's the kingdom that will last into eternity, we as Christians, we, we cannot live in both kingdoms. We cannot operate and live by its ethics and, ethics and the pattern of the kingdom of the world, at the same time trying to live by the ethic and the patterns of God's kingdom. Because they're diametrically too opposite to each other. So today... Our main idea is this. The idea that we're going to consider and unpack together is this, that Jesus sets the pattern for God's kingdom. Jesus, he sets the pattern for God's kingdom. And we're going to unpack that together in three steps. Point number one, the plan of God's kingdom. And plan, point number two, the king of God's kingdom. And point number three, the citizens of God's kingdom. We're going to talk about the plan of God. Like his plan for his kingdom. And second, we're going to look at the king who's going to establish this kingdom. 
And lastly, we're going to look at who this kingdom is for. So before we start, would you join me in a quick prayer? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Uh, thank you for revealing yourself to us through your word. As we're going to talk about your kingdom and our King Lord Jesus, would you show us, uh, would you show us why your kingdom and your plan for us is better than the kingdom of this world and the plan that we have for ourselves? We come to you this morning acknowledging that we are dependent on your grace, dependent on your love, your care, and on your mercy. So teach us more about our King Jesus and why he is the answer and the solution to the problems of this world and our sin. In your son's name we pray, amen. So point number one, the, the, the plan of God's kingdom. So one of, the first thing that, one of the first things that we see from today's passage is a strong and a mighty angel. And it's probably one of the strongest angels in the realms of heaven. And this angel is so strong, and he's conducting some type of search. He's shouting. He's challenging the realms of heaven, the realms of earth, and realms under the earth. He's conducting this search with a loud voice. And he, this angel is looking for someone who's worthy, a worthy being, a worthy candidate who can approach God and take the scroll and to open it. The angel is looking for a worthy candidate. And I thought this was fun and cool to mention when I was studying this passage and translating this passage from Greek. The loud voice that the angel is conducting the search with, in Greek it says, phone megale. Phone is where we get the word phone, means sound. Megale is the word mega, big. The angel is conducting a search with a megaphone. Sorry, I thought that was... <laughs> so that's what... And, and with the megaphone, the angel is looking for someone who's worthy, worthy to open the scroll. But the thing is, what is a scroll? Like, what, what's the scroll? It must be something really important for God to hold in his right hand and sitting on the throne. The scroll, straight to the point, the scroll here symbolizes God's plan for establishing his kingdom on earth. As the scroll is opening the following chapters, we see, we, we see the contrast between the two kingdoms. We see one is shrinking while the other one is growing and increasing. We see that the earthly kingdoms and their kings and their followers are, they're decreasing. They're disarmed, disband, uh, disbanded. They're, they're busy hiding from God's judgment. While God's kingdom is increasing, is expanding, and God's people are reaching its full number. And when the scroll is completely open at the end of the book of Revelation, we see that the God's kingdom is literally on earth with man. God is dwelling with, with his people. Like Jesus is clearly visible. And that's the scroll. The scroll symbolizes the establishment of God's kingdom. He's, he is re, he's reuniting heaven and earth once again. And that is why the strong angel is looking for a worthy candidate who can execute this very plan, to execute the plan of establishing God's kingdom on earth. But we have a problem. We have a problem in the drama. The angel couldn't find someone who's worthy. The angel just couldn't find someone, couldn't find anyone that's worthy to execute God's plan. So John begins to weep and he begins to cry. John feels hopeless and he feels helpless. I, I think a good question that should be asked here as a good reader would be, why is John crying? Right? That, that's weird. Like, why, why are you crying, John? What's the whole big deal about God's kingdom and this scroll? Because the, the idea of God's kingdom is not... One of the first few ideas that we think about when we 
talk about gospel and our faith. I, but, but I think it's here at this juncture we have to re-examine our understanding of the gospel, and I think that will help us to understand why John is crying a little better. The gospel is in twofold, uh, the cosmic aspect and, and the personal aspect. But our understanding of the gospel is often limited to the personal aspect. When we think about the gospel, we primarily think about it uh, we primarily understand the gospel from me and myself. Like, my sins forgiven, Jesus saved me, he died for me. My sins forgiven, I, I just have to believe in Jesus. As long as I hold on to my faith, when I die, I go to heaven. Mission accomplished. That's the end of the gospel. But, but that's only the 50% of the gospel. That's only the 50% of our understanding of God's great plan. Instead, the gospel is something much, much way, way bigger than that. God's salvation plan is not only limited to saving individuals. Instead, his bigger plan, the, the cosmic aspect of the gospel, is to establish his kingdom, to, to restore all of his creation, and to re-glorify everything that is fallen so that people, God's people, can enjoy his creation once again, and God can dwell and, and literally be with his people. So God is establishing his kingdom, he's restoring everything, and he wants to be with his people, but the problem is sin. Like, holy God cannot dwell with sinful people, so as a good God, he, he removes the problem, which is the sin. That's why Jesus had to come down, to die on our behalf so that sinners can be safe and so that God re-invites those sinners into his kingdom. And that's when the personal aspect of the gospel comes in. So we must understand and hold the balance between the two, uh, the cosmic and the personal aspects of the gospel. So God is establishing his kingdom, and that has been his intention all along. E ever since the creation of the world, to, to dwell and commune and, and just to be with his people. God wants to fix all the problems of the world. He wants to fix all the brokenness of the world. He wants to wipe away all the tears. He wants to heal all the sickness of the world. He wants, to, he wants his people to enjoy colors, a sound, and taste that is not tainted by sin. So even the best meal we ever had, even the best music that we ever heard, they're still tainted by sin. So God wants to be with his people, and he wants us to live in that good creation that, where sin no longer exists. But, but the thing is, there's a problem, right? Like, the angel couldn't find someone who's worthy to execute this plan, to restore the creation and to establish God's kingdom. And that is why John is crying. He feels hopeless. He feels helpless. Like, it's could. John thinks that this is too good to be true. He's overwhelmed by the impossibility of this plan because there's just nobody who's worthy to approach God and take the scroll and to open it and just to execute the plan like that. And the greatest, of, the greatest hope of all humanity is this, right? All the problems just go away. But, but, but the, only if someone who can approach God and take the scroll and to execute this problem. That's why John is crying. So with that, let's move on to our next point. Let's see, who, let, let's see together who is the solution to this problem. So point number two, the king of God's kingdom. Okay, so John's crying. We get that now. And that's when one of the elders tells John that the angel found someone. The angel found someone who's worthy. And he is worthy, this being who's found. 
He is worthy because he has overcome. He has conquered, and he's the Lion of Judah and the Root of David. Oh, so someone who's worthy to open the scroll and to execute God's plan is a kingly figure. Like, why do I say it's, he's a kingly figure? Well, because it's Jesus. But, but let's not stop there. Let's go deeper into these two descriptions. He's a lion. He, he's, the, he's a lion of Judah. He's a lion. Let's, let's picture a lion uh, together in our heads for a moment. Like, what's a lion? Right? Lion is the king of all animals. He's at the top of the hierarchy. Lion is not a type of animal if you run into it in the jungle. You say, oh, it's so cute, and then you pet it. You run away from it. And, and throughout all the history of literatures, lion has been the symbol of majesty, power, protection, wisdom, like royalty, right? That's why C.S. Lewis, in, in his novels, the almighty wise Aslan, he's a lion. Okay, what about the root of David? Now this time, let's picture King David in his, in his battlefield for a moment. David, he, he, he never lost any battles. He was the king of kings. He was, he was the successful, victorious conqueror. But Jesus, he's the root of David. He precedes David. And he's a lion. The overlapping of these two imagery tells us that Jesus is the metaphysical depiction of the ultimate kingship. The entire idea of royalty and power and authority exists because Jesus exists. Jesus is, he's he's inherently a lion, and he's the foundation of all authority. That's who the angel found. Angel found a lion, and he's worthy. So John turns, and he he looks at the voice or where the voice was directing him to see. What What is John expecting to see? He's expecting to see a lion, a majestic one, right? But what does he see? He sees a lamb. He sees a lamb standing. But this lamb is not pure, not clean, not white-wooded, not unblemished, but a bloody, slaughtered, slain, slit-throat lamb. Blood-drenched in blood. But it's somehow alive and standing. And this is very, this is super weird, right? This is odd. Because this is totally opposite to what the elder said. John was expecting a lion because that's what the elder said. The worthy conqueror is a lion. But what John sees is a slaughtered lamb. And this time, let's picture a lamb together for a moment. Well, like, what's a lamb? Lamb is weak. <laughs> it's, the, it's the weakest animal, right? It's at the bottom of the hierarchy. Lamb is harmless. It symbolizes purity, gentleness. Vulnerability, submissiveness, quietness. It's it's the opposite of a lion. That's what John sees. And when this lamb approached God and took the scroll, that's when all the angels, myriads and myriads and thousands of thousands, basically every created thing and living things start to praise him, start to sing, starts to worship the lamb. And what's the lyrics of of the praise that they're singing? And and and, And this is the lyrics. Worthy is the lamb who was slain. Worthy are you because by your blood you made God's people to be the kingdom of God. This is what they're singing. This is the lyrics. And I found this to be very, very surprising and fascinating for two reasons. First, Jesus established his kingdom by conquering, yes. He, He established the kingdom by winning, yes. But how does his winning and conquering look like? Dying. 
Although Jesus, he's inherently a lion, he conquered not as a lion, but as a lamb by surrendering his life, by totally dependent on the Father. His victory came from his lowliness, his gentleness, his selflessness as a lamb by picking up the cross and shedding the blood. Right in the song, he's worthy as a slain lamb to execute God's plan. And second, Jesus, and this is fascinating, Jesus, he made God's people to be the kingdom of God. So what that means is now that God's kingdom is no longer marked by boundaries or walls, but now God's kingdom is marked by people. People who choose to follow the pattern of the lamb. People who show their allegiance to the lamb. People who overcome and thrive not in the ways of the world, but in the very unexpected ways of God. And brothers and sisters, for us Christians, this is our king. Our king is a lamb, and his victory sets the trajectory or the pattern for God's kingdom, the way and by which the kingdom expands and operates, which is by surrendering and by carrying the cross. So this was my second point. The king, who, uh, the, the king of God's kingdom is a lamb, and his lamb-like and his lamb qualities is the way for it's the way in this kingdom. Okay, so we looked at the plan of God, uh, his plan for establishing his kingdom, and we looked at the king who established the kingdom. Now let's look at our last point, the citizens of God's kingdom. And then who belongs to this kingdom? Like who are the worthy and qualified citizens of this kingdom? Like who is this kingdom for? If this kingdom was found and established by the lamb who sacrificially died, then this kingdom is for those who follows the pattern of the lamb. This kingdom is for those who are embracing and learning to be more like the lamb, totally dependent on God, lowly and gentle and humble. And in this kingdom, the way we think how things should work is not the way it works. The pattern of this kingdom, it flips the idea of overcoming. It flips the idea of winning. It flips the idea of success. It, it challenges us and to, it challenges to re, us to re-examine how we think about success. Because in the eyes of the world, the most successful and worthy are the ones with stable jobs, high-paying jobs, those who are rich, best-looking, fortunate, most skilled, and most talented, right? But that's not the case in this kingdom. In the kingdom of God, that's not the case. And Jesus taught this ethics in one of his sermons when he was on earth, Sermon of Mount. And this is what he said. Those who are poor in spirit, those who are so poor in spirit, those who need the wealth of Jesus, and those who are mourning because they're the least fortunate, those who are meek and hungry, those who are the persecuted, for there is the kingdom. So now the kingdom of God is no longer marked by territories, walls, or boundaries. It's now marked by people, God's graced people. This morning, God's word is challenging us to re-examine our lifestyles. Which kingdom does, does our lifestyles and attitudes and thought process reflect? Which kingdom ethics are we being operated by? Because friends, like Christian friends, we cannot live in both kingdoms. They are diametrically way too opposite to each other. One defines success by controlling, 
taking over, slandering others, and by competing. But the other defines success by surrendering to God, picking up the cross, and dying to oneself. And, and Apostle Paul, he, 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 he talks about the way of kingdom in a little different flavor. This is what he says. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in flesh, I, I, I live in the flesh, I live, by the, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And I think, I think that's a good summary of the beginning of the kingdom living. And, and this truth, this, the pattern of the Lamb, impacts every facet of our life. Like in, in our unique life circumstances as a student, as a, as a full-time employee, as an employer, as a husband, as a boyfriend, as a girlfriend, as a son, as a daughter, as a, as a friend. Like our success is no longer defined by the, by the type of jobs we have or, or the amount of stocks we hold or how stable our jobs are or healthy, cool our marriage and our dating lives look like or how obedient our children or our siblings are. Or, or even if we have a house, we're not. Like, it's no longer defined by how talented we are musically, athletically, academically. Nor our failures in this kingdom are defined by how sad we are, how messed up we are, how weak and fragile we are. Because today, through God's word, we are being told and assured that the kingdom of God is for those who are learning to be more like the Lamb. And our success... And our victory has been won by the lamb who was slain. And in the eyes of God, the slain lamb is the lion. And, and, and us as Christians, we are united to this lion in every way, right? His blessing, his honor, his glory, his victory, his life, and even his kingdom. And, and in this kingdom, this kingdom is expanding and not by swords nor shields, but it's through God's people surrendering and loving. And it's to that end we breathe through God's very breath, Holy Spirit, so that we don't get winded. And as God's kingdom citizens, we are going to live in this kingdom forever where there's no more tears, no more pain, no more sufferings, no more hurts, no more disease. So let's practice. Let's practice together as a church gripping harder onto the kingdom of heaven that is to come and grip loosely to the things which will all fade away one day. And I just want to spend my last two minutes with um, visiting non-Christian friends. Thanks for coming. May, but, but may I challenge you? Are, are you content with your current kingdom? There's a song that I recently discovered. I think that came out a few months ago by Adele. It's called I Drink Wine. Man, she's so good at singing. Common Grace, she's amazing. Uh, and and th this, is the, this is the portion of the lyrics. It goes like this. We are in love with the world, but the world just wants to bring us down by putting ideas in our heads that corrupt our hearts somehow. When I was a child, every single thing could blow my mind, soaking it all up for fun. But now I only soak up wine. They say to play hard, you work hard, find balance in the sacrifice, yet I don't know anybody who's truly satisfied. If you just think about it, this is true, and this is good. This is good because this is true. Like, I, I appreciate non, 
appreciate an honest non-Christian's observation of the world. Like non-Christians, non-Christian critical thinkers, they, they have good observations. And, and I, when I was reading the comments, all the comments were saying things like, yeah, yeah, though, you got it. Like, this is the reality. Like, I'm in my mid-20s, I'm in my mid-30s, I'm in my mid-50s, but this, this really speaks to me. You just got to learn how to cope with this problem, how to cope with this evil. Uh, this song is somehow targeting all the uh, age groups. And this song itself has 20 million views, and all the comments have more than 5,000, 8,000 likes. And maybe this is how you feel about the world, too. Maybe you feel like, yeah, th- this is not how the world is supposed to be. Like something about this world is just doesn't seem right. But my question is, are you okay with that? And is your answer and solution to make sense of this broken world also wine or money or sex? Or maybe your philosophical answer to this whole problem is fatalism, maybe nihilism, or, or maybe your life motto is fake it till you make it. But if Jesus is real and what the Bible says about him is true, which I myself and all the pastors are more than happy to talk to you about, then I am afraid that you will, you will never be satisfied. And in whatever and anything you do, you're only left for endless pursuit of void if you choose to remain in your current kingdom. But the good news is that Jesus is real, and what the Bible says about him is reliable. And, and, and he's inviting you to his kingdom. He wants you to find worth, worth that is not of this world. He wants you to find meaning and purpose. There is a better ending to your story, and there is a better ending to this world. And you are invited to his kingdom. In this kingdom, you will find joy, peace, love, purpose, meaning, forgiveness, and freedom. So would you think about it? And we are having, a, we're having Christianity 101 taught by our pastor, Pastor Jacob. He's a phenomenal teacher, and he's awesome. And, and we're going to talk about, you know, who's Jesus, what did he do, what, what's the Bible about, what's the Christianity about. And I think it's going to be fun, and, because, and he's great, so... Would you think about it, consider it, just come out, let's think about it together. Let's pray. Father, we, we thank you that your gospel was truly good news to the people of the past and still is to the people of now and will be to many generations that is to come. This morning, your word has taught us that you're a God who wants to be with your people. You're a personal you're real, you're knowable, and you're searchable because you reveal yourself to your people. So, Father, in light of that, we are especially thankful that you have sent your one and only son, Jesus, to establish your kingdom and to execute, execute your eternal salvation plan. We long for the day when there is no more war, uh, no more anxiety, depression, brokenness, no more struggles, and no more tears. And you have reminded us this morning that that day is really coming. As certain as Jesus was born, he walked amongst his people, and he died on the cross, and three days later the tomb was empty, we, we are certain that you will finish what you have started. And when that day comes, we will see the slain lamb. We will behold his wounds and his face, and we will sing and praise him for all eternity. So, Father, until then, teach us what's like to, what it's like to belong to your kingdom. Teach us to be more like the lamb, carrying our cross, surrendering before you. 
because our success and our victory has won by the slain lamb who is the lion. We trust that the Holy Spirit will help us and apply your truth in our lives. And as your, king, and as your kingdom citizens, we look forward to the days that is to come. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Let's all rise and respond to God's grace with praise.